Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Happy New Year, and welcome to Transporter Lock, episode number 26 for Saturday, January 5th, 2019. It's the first episode of the year and the last episode of Short Treks, and here to discuss it today is my co-host, Sabriel Mastin. Hello, Sabriel. If I had any money, I'd be sipping jippers on a beach somewhere. <laughs> if I had any money, I'd be sipping jippers on a beach somewhere. Well, if I had any money, I'd be... <laughs> Hello. Hello, and I'm your other co-host, Ken Gagney. We're here to talk about The Escape Artist, the fourth and final short treks that just aired two days ago in advance of season two of Discovery premiering on Thursday, January 17th. Woo! Yeah, so I had an interesting experience when I was excitedly talking about this episode coming out on Thursday. I just said, um, new truck today, new truck today, new truck today. And I had two or three people respond like, I thought season two started on the 17th. And I was like, oh, ho, ho, my friend. Short tracks and bo- both or all three of them were like, oh, yeah, I forgot that's a thing. Like, oh. <laughs> well, I can understand why, because I work at a distributed company. My coworkers are around the world. And for some reason, everybody else in the Star Trek channel in our company is not in the USA. So every time I say there's a new Short Treks tonight, I get a ton of sad emoji in response because mm-hmm. they can't watch it. And you're like, don't worry, my friends, it's not worth the sub. <laughs> not yet, anyway. Even my friends who are in the USA are saying that they're waiting until season two premieres to sign up again for CBS All Access, and they'll just binge all four short treks in less than an hour. Good on them. Good on them. Yes, I think that is the right way to go. But of course, you and I, we are the dedicated Star Trek fans. Not that we are gatekeepers, of course. Everybody listening is a Star Trek fan. But we're the ones actually coughing up the dough for 15 (laughs) minutes a month of Short Treks. Yes. And you know what? This one I thought was, well, I don't know if worth it, but this one was a great one to me. So let's talk about it. I also want to talk about how the Short Treks experiment has worked overall, but of course we should start by talking about the latest episode, which is, as I mentioned, The Escape Artist, which returns us to the character of Harry Mudd, played by Rain Wilson. Yeah, this is a fun episode where we discover that he, you know, he he has a lot of experience with androids, apparently. (laughs) Do you think this episode was set after his second appearance in season one? Because they mentioned penetrating a space whale, which is the last thing we saw him doing. Absolutely. Oh, and and um, yeah, no, because they also added more charges to his criminal record. Now there's regicide, which was not on there before, and penetrating a space whale. <laughs> because they caught him after he penetrated a space whale, and they let him go. But now these additional crimes have put him back on Starfleet's radar. Oh no 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 no! It's not necessarily that they let him go; it's that he escaped. But they gave him over to his was it fiance or wife? Oh, that's that's what you mean. Yeah yeah yeah. I was thinking, uh, no, 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 because then, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he must have gotten away again. Right, because he was within Starfleet's grasp, but Uh they defeated the time loop. They handed him over to this other party, and they expected to never see him again. But now Starfleet is looking to arrest him. Well, we don't know if if any, like, logs on the Discovery were like, oh, he got away again and escaped to these people, or if they just said they gave him away. I like your theory about the additional crimes he committed. I think that is the main reason that they're looking for him now. I mean, that wasn't my theory. That was your theory. 
I'd say he was never not wanted. But I wasn't aware that regicide was a new crime since we last saw him. You're the one that pointed that out. Yeah. Come on, take credit where it's due, Bree. I mean, I knew I know that. I said that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anything's changed. He's just a wanted man. Doesn't mean they're necessarily hunting him. Not actively, but they'll certainly pay off any bounty hunters that come across him. Yeah. Hmm. It's more of a passive search, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, why bother resources when you got bounty hunters and other people who can find him? Although I do wonder, and as I've often wondered to myself, how Starfleet interacts with cultures and civilizations that still have a monetary economy. Because Starfleet does not, but they still need to be able to exchange latinum with other groups to buy and sell things. Yeah, um, Starfleet keeps some kind of monetary thing, because Deep Space Nine dealt with this. People would have money to spend at Quarks. Right. So they must get it. And there's been talk in the past of credits and whatnot, even though it contradicts exactly what Ron Barry's like, there's no money, but they talk about credits. And so your guess is as good as mine. It's one of those things you're not supposed to think about too deeply. One of the things I loved about season eight of Deep Space Nine in the novels was that Bajor had finally applied for admission into the Federation. And if they were accepted, then the space station would become a Starfleet property and Quarks would not be able to charge people anything because there's no money on Starfleet. (laughs) So basically, Quark would go out of business or he'd have to give everything away for free, which can you imagine a Ferengi doing that? Oh, God. (laughs) We'll talk about personal hell. I mean, unless you're the Grand Nagus and you've been altered by the wormhole aliens, that's not something you're going to do. No, he'd be in the bad place. (laughs) So, yes, he would. Uh, There was a way around this there was a loophole in season eight which i suppose i can reveal now because these books came out like 15 years ago which was rom became the grand nagus and made quarks a ferengi embassy (laughs) and so even though he was on starfleet property he was still able to follow ferengi culture and charge people for (laughs) yeah i love it love it too so harry mudd we see him at the beginning of this episode having been caught and being sold by about one bounty hunter to the other and now he's in the holds of a starship captained by some tusk boar face looking like alien Karen, that Karen. i don't think we've seen before yes we have it's a tellerite that was a tellerite yeah we've seen them on discovery before too oh my god really i thought tellerites were sh- i remember i mean they were one of the founding members of the federation on star trek enterprise but i remember them being a lot shorter uh remember discovery did some weird, weird ass things with Klingons too. Oh, I mean, I do, I do remember hearing <laughs> the name Tellerite mentioned in this episode, but I must have missed the context, and I didn't realize that that was them. Yep. But you know what? Now I'm looking at Memory Alpha, and it shows a Tellerite from Enterprise, and it shows a Tellerite from Discovery's Mirror Universe. And you're right; they, it's the same species, but they do look quite different. Yeah, uh, Enterprise went with the more traditional view of Tellerites, and Discovery is like, you know what, we changed this other alien, we can change these too. Okay, so I am not having an eye for detail, apparently. Thank you for catching me on that. Uh, no problem. And Tellerites have century-old cudgels that they like to pass down generation <laughs> to generation. See, I, I didn't think anything when he was like, you took my cudgel. And, and looking online, people are also confused, like, cudgel? I'm like, oh, because I play World of Warcraft, they use cudgel every now and then. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, maybe because I used to play D&D and mage characters can't really use a lot of weapons, and so they would naturally have a cudgel. I was surprised that nobody knew what that meant. Or not nobody, but I'm surprised that Harry Mudd didn't know what that meant, because he seems fairly educated despite his calling in life. 
I mean, for all we know, Harry was lying too. No, Replicant Harry. you wouldn't do that. I know, right? <laughs> I loved the way this episode segued from the current moment into flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were a lot of fun. You know, some of them, we don't know if they were flashbacks or just cuts to other androids. But one for sure was a flashback because he mentioned uh, the little short captor who lost her ship. And he, he mentioned she was far too emotional. So that one knew about her. Right. And he also said, I've never been in a situation like this before. And then he remembers and then he says, maybe I have been in a situation like mm -hmm. this before. But that's a fascinating theory that these are simultaneous moments in space that I... I had not thought of that, and that really puts an interesting spin on things. I don't think it's what's happening, but to see it that way is really cool. Yeah, because oh, he has he has literally had this conversation multiple times in the last week or two. <laughs> yeah, how many flashbacks were there? There was one with the Klingon. There was one with the short bounty hunter. Was that it, or was there a third one? I think that may have been it. It's a short track. They didn't have the budget. I was going to say, yeah, that's probably all you can fit in 15 minutes. <laughs> Naturally, there's a lot of self-effacing humor in this episode where Harry is sort of, you know, self-aware of his circumstances and he knows he's lying, but he sort of lies to himself about the fact that he's lying because he's incredibly insulted that other people don't believe him. Do you feel that this is consistent with the Harry Mudd character we've seen elsewhere? Oh, absolutely. I didn't think anything of it, really. I mean, he, he is, I don't know, he's, he's quick on the feet. He knows exactly what he needs to do. I think if it's character, he's like, he knows exactly how to try to appeal to the senses of anyone he's around. If that means being uh, self-depreciating, that means trying to figure out if they have grandiose schemes of wanting power or whatever, like he'll latch onto that. He's a smart man. And so I thought this was, I thought this fit him perfectly. I agree. He did seem less cruel than the last time we saw him. Maybe that's just simply due to lack of opportunity. But I will say that in the previous episode where he continuously murdered crew members on Discovery, I think he seemed more cruel in that episode than we're accustomed to. So this short trek was sort of a return to form. Yeah. Yeah, I could see, um <laughs> even in that episode, like how much of it was just annoying annoyance in these people. Because I mean, he's done this so many times and he's gotta keep doing it over and over and over again. Just sees them as nothing. Yeah, this episode actually makes me want to go rewatch the Groundhog Day episode because that was a lot of fun and <laughs> kind of an unusual spin on the Groundhog Day trope because, as we mentioned, it wasn't the person who was looping who was the main character. Yes. And we could see Lorca die again and again and again. <laughs> that was fun. That was very fun. <laughs> so finally, at the end of this episode... Did you see the surprise coming where it turns out that he is a replicant and there are many replicants? Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. Uh, how about you? No, and I'm not sure if that makes it a good reveal or not, because sometimes there are clues that help you get ahead in the plot. Like when Lorca was revealed to be Mirror Lorca. If you were paying attention, there were things that made you raise your eyebrow and wonder, why is he doing that? And then when it's revealed that he's Mirror Lorca retroactively you say oh now it all makes sense whereas this episode the reveal at the end didn't really shine that much of a new light on anything we'd seen before uh, i think it filled in some things that maybe we didn't know before about mud like how good he was with androids or you know it just shows more of he's a conniving person uh, i don't think it necessarily meant to, to be a mystery for you to figure out i think it was just telling a fun story which is very much uh kind of like the classic star trek way to look at things and it's true that in these short treks, there are mysteries that are not necessarily answered, like in Calypso. We don't know what happened to the crew of Discovery or why it's a thousand years in the future. So in this episode, you know, maybe they're simply 
wasn't a mystery to solve within 15 minutes because you can't always introduce a mystery and solve it in 15 minutes. Yeah. It just might not have been anything to explore other than just this is more about Harry Mudd. And it gives our our uh, cartoon writer a way to flex his muscles. <laughs> this does raise at least two questions for me, though. One is, it seems to me that Mudd, I was going to say invented the replicants, but knowing him, he probably stole them from somewhere else. But mm-hmm. later on in the original series, it seems like replicants are a technology he discovers in that era, as opposed to the familiarity he apparently already has with them. So is this mucking with the timeline? Not at all. On that planet, he just discovered this planet that had android um, servants, but the race that made them had disappeared. So he was like, well, I'll just take advantage of this. And so that's what happened there. He didn't make them or anything like that. But he reprogrammed he reprogrammed them though. Right. I definitely agree that's what happened in the TOS episode, but in the short treks. Oh, you're thinking about where did these replicants come from? Oh, who knows? Who knows? It's part of the fun. It doesn't <laughs> and matter. Part of the fun is also trying to figure it out. Yeah, but we literally have nothing. Just like we literally have no idea why Discovery is a thousand years in the future. We literally have no idea like where people why there's no one in engineering and in a uh, runaway. But should that stop us from positing theories? No, no. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, like, we literally have no idea, so you can make up whatever you want. <laughs> well, what do you make up for where the replicants in the short trucks came from? I didn't bother. <laughs> <laughs> so it does stop you. No, it just, to me, is like, I just accept it. Like, okay, if they want to explain it, sure, but it doesn't, I, to, me, to me, it doesn't need explanation. It's, like, it's just supposed to be a short little fun trick, like, this is showing Harry Mud. Like, if we get explanation, cool, but it doesn't seem out of the ordinary. It seems like this is a very plausible thing for him just to have. And normally, I agree. I don't tend to engage my media too in-depth either. I just enjoy it for what it presents itself to be. But then I come on a podcast, and I'm like, I need something to talk about. <laughs> but that's, we are talking about it. I don't think it needs an explanation. We're talking about our refusal to talk about it. <laughs> no, my refusal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brie. Well, in that case, let me ask you about the episode on the whole. So Thursday night when it aired, you DM'd me and said, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I had said I was going to watch it that night, and I hadn't. So your brief remark sort of helped me set my expectations that this was going to be a fun episode. I debated on what to send you, or if anything, that night, because I knew exactly this would be the reaction, because the conversation we had just had before. <laughs> and I had thought... This- are we are we in a groundhog loop now? Are we repeating no, we, a conversation? No, we talked about it in the moment where someone accidentally spoiled some show or got you primed to. Oh yes. And so I was yep. debating on if I should say anything. Like, no, I think I feel safe with this. I felt comfortable saying I had fun with this one. Yeah, and that's not a spoiler, and I don't wish you hadn't said it, but it helped me know the general tone of the episode, if not the content or the direction. You know, so there was nothing spoiled. But if I had gone into this episode thinking. You know, this is going to be dark and gritty because Discovery is kind of like BSG. And the last time we saw Harry Mudd, he was killing everybody. If I had gone in with that expectation and what I ended up with was the escape artist, I might have had to watch it again with the right expectation, having recalibrated my senses. Whereas you helped me go in with the proper calibration the first time. Because this episode, I would say, was intended to be, on the whole, humorous. Yeah, it definitely was intended that, but that's not how they sold it at all. Like the little previews for it made it seem like the serious thing with Harry Mudd. He's being shoved against the ground. He's looking up at the camera and, oh, the escape artist starring Harry Mudd. That's all we're going to tell you because this whole episode's only 15 minutes long. 
<laughs> I mean, I've been tending to avoid the trailers, even though we're posting them to our blog, because it's like half the episode. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't know what to expect, but you would say that this was a funny episode? Oh, absolutely. I thought it was hilarious. So you think that when Star Trek wants to, they do humor well? Oh, they always have trouble with tribbles. The Emperor's new cloak, I thought was fun. Like, for, uh, the magnificent, magnificent Ferengi. I mean, I think Star Trek does humor very well. A fistful of datas? Yes. <laughs> a lot of people hate that episode, but I love it. What? What is there to hate? Just the concept. Do people just hate Alexander? Is that what it is? Well, that's also a, a true thing. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm watching TNG with my mom, and I can't wait to get to the Fistful of Datas because not only do I love that episode, but every time we watch an episode where Data is not the main character, I ask my mom, what did you think of that episode? And she always says, not enough Data. <laughs> nice. So, like, Fistful of Datas, she'll be like, there was so much Data in that episode. No, this was too much data. No. <laughs> no, no such thing. No such thing. That episode's great because it also has an ending that no other Star Trek does. And it's the Enterprise flying off into the sunset. That is the only time that happens? That's the only time they do anything like that. Because usually they just have the same kind of ending. And this one, they're like, they had this little funny thing because it was a, or a space western. <laughs> the western. I was going to say I was going to rewatch the ending of that episode like on... YouTube or something, but I think I'll just wait until I watch it with my mom. It'll it'll come up. Yeah, yeah. So overall, you liked this episode? Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this one. Much more fun than uh, like the Saru one. <laughs> the brightest star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's try this. We have four short Trek episodes. Runaway, where Tilly was the main character. Calypso, set a thousand years in the future. The brightest star, with Saru as the main character. And The Escape Artist, starring Harry Mudd. How would you rank them best to worst? Uh, so I think my number one would switch depending on my mood, depending what I needed that moment. Uh, Calypso, between Calypso and uh, the Escape Artist, because I loved them both. Uh, this moment I'm feeling right now, I feel Escape Artist was number one, but if I just need a sentimental moment, I'll switch that up and say Calypso was my number one. But then for three... I would say Brightest Star. No, 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 excuse me, Runaway. And then Brightest Star, number four. Okay, so uh, my ratings are similar. Calypso is number one. Brightest Star is number four. I would say that Runaway and Escape Artist are tied for number two for me. You were really not impressed by Runaway, huh? One of the things Runaway had working against it was that it was the first short treks, and it had to set people's expectations. I went in not knowing what to expect, and as we discussed, I was like, oh, that's it? That's all we get? And so I was a little underwhelmed by it, but I was more underwhelmed by The Brightest Star, as we discussed. So mm -hmm. it's not like Runaway is my least favorite episode. It's tied for a second, which is not a bad place to be. I think they chose their order very well when they aired these because they did not start with The Brightest Star. <laughs> not The Brightest, Their Brightest. You got people that's like, this is an okay episode, and then they had a really deep one, and then they're like, okay, this is our C-quality story. And then we start with, end with the f laughing one, the f amusing one. Yeah, there was some good variety. I mean, the, the first and third episodes featured main cast members. So there was some good alternation there with something different in between. Calypso was wildly different because it was set in the future. And the escape artist was wildly different because it didn't feature a main character, although he was familiar. And it was humorous. So mm -hmm. there was some good variety there. You know, if they'd started with Calypso, people would have been like... 
I don't know this character. I don't know what's happening. Why is the set a thousand years in the future? Are they all going to be set in the future? And if the brightest star had been first, people would be like, oh, it's Saru, but it's also boring. That's not a good start. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the escape artist would have been, well, so are we doing a comedy series now? So I think Runaway, in a sense, was the most Discovery-like and probably a good way to start the series. Yes. Do you think that the Short Treks experiment worked? Was this just a way to keep our CBS All Access subscription active, or was this actually some good content for us? Both. But I think well, like, I, th- <laughs> I think it was a good way to just fill in some of the voids in the in the uh, we don't have any new Star Trek. And I thought I thought it was a fun way to do it. I think they did well. I think it was a good thing. Uh, how about you? I'm glad they did this. I think it's important for Star Trek to innovate, whether it's in format or genre or length or whatever. And so knowing that they are willing to try telling short stories is great. I overall did like the shows, but I think to fully judge them, as you've probably said before, we're going to need more context. We're going to need to know, do these tie in to season two? Are these plot threads we're going to see come back? You know, Mm -hmm. if Harry Mudd shows up again, will it be necessary or important for us to have seen the escape artist? Will we ever find out why discovery is a thousand years in the future or who these Federation is that the future humans are fighting against if that is in fact what's happening. So there are a lot of questions that have been raised and opportunities for them to tie in that I think will in hindsight give these episodes more gravitas. Kind of like Enterprise season four, their two-part mirror universe episode. I freaking loved that when it first aired back in 2005. I thought it was fantastic. But the cherry on the top was when it tied into season one of Discovery. I loved that even more. And that gave it even more weight. Uh huh. Uh huh. In the cases of short treks, they're too short for me to love them as much as I love the two part Mirror Universe episode on Enterprise. But if they end up tying in later, then that's really going to be impressive and will make me want to go back and watch them again. Yeah, yeah, that would be nice to know. That definitely would be nice to know. Yeah, and I don't need to know it now, but I would like to know eventually. Uh huh. And that kind of sets a precedent for the future, too. Yeah, because maybe they'll do this between every season of Discovery. Although we do know now that the Picard series is probably going to debut before season three of Discovery does, if there is a season three. I'm sure there will be. Probably. I mean, it seems likely at this point, especially given how much they're expanding the Star Trek universe. And I'm also wondering about this Lower Decks series, because that's going to be a comedy series, and we kind of just had a comedic episode of Short Treks. So since, as you said, Star Trek does humor well when they aim for it, Maybe the escape artist bodes well for Lower Decks. I hope so. I hope so. Now, this podcast, Transporter Lock, was intended to review every new episode of Discovery. Are we going to be reviewing all new Star Trek shows that come out? Well, I think that's for us to talk about after. (laughs) (laughs) And also for us to quit our day jobs and just dedicate ourselves to doing TL. I don't think there's that many. That much Star Trek, unless we want to uh, talk about all the series. If we are talking about Discovery, Picard, and Lower Decks... That could be substantial. <laughs> I meant all the series. <laughs> Ever? There's not enough to do a day, quit your day job. No, I will let Scott McNulty over at Random Trek do that. And even <laughs> he only does one episode a week, so I think that's more reasonable. <laughs> okay, so anything else we need to talk about before we get ready for season two of Discovery to start in a couple of weeks? I think there was a new trailer at the end of this one. Or maybe it was just a recap of an old one. But I did see an interview with the man who plays Pike. 
Seems like he's going to be a good guy. I mean, I mean, as the actor. You mean as opposed to an evil villain? Right, right, right. And, <laughs> I, and I, I was starting to—I was doing some thinking, like you know what? We're getting to that point in Star Trek where we have multiple actors playing a same character, and you know, soon we're going to have that conversation of, I think X person was the best of this character, and I think that's an interesting point for Star Trek to be in. Because it's just so old. Right. I mean, we are now about to see our third adult Spock. And I think we've been warned that it's not the Spock we may be familiar with, but he will become the Spock we are familiar with. Kind of like the new Tomb Raider reboot, how, you know, the rise of the Tomb Raider. This is how Lara Croft becomes the character we know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I find it fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> fascinating, as Spock <laughs> would say. A wise choice of words. Well, then, I think we are ready to wrap up. Any closing remarks? No, I'm excited for Season 2 Star Trek Discovery. How about you? Yeah, I'm excited to be talking to you every week instead of once a month on this podcast. Oh, yes. Woo! It's been too long. (laughs) It's been a long road. I like that song. Me too! Oh, my God, I thought (laughs) I was the only one. (laughs) Nope, I like it. Bree, how did we not know this? We probably talked about it before and forgot. I think it's a great song, and I think it works so great for Star Trek. I think anyway. so too. So, well, so get mad, haters. That's right. <laughs> and you can just log off this podcast because we're wrapping up anyway. This has been episode <laughs> number twenty-six of Transporter Lock. You can find us online at transporterlock.com. You can find me on Twitter at GameBits. And what about you, Sabriel? You can follow me. Uh, just just go to my website, sabriel.me. That has everything I do. Fantastic. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you with Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery. Live long and prosper. What he said. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at TransporterLock or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at TransporterLock.com. We should go karaoke in it sometime. Nope.